Uh, but anyway, let's pray much for the service this Sunday. All right, I'll read verse 1, you read verse 2, and let's read this together. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Many of you can probably quote that from memory, and I get that. I, I think probably I could come close to getting it almost word for word through those six verses. But I want to share from a very familiar psalm just two or three simple things tonight from the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Wednesday night. Thank you for prayer meeting, for singing, for testifying, for praying, for fellowship, and for worship, and for church and Bible and the Holy Spirit. God, you're good. And we ask you to bless your Word now for just a little bit. Lord, may our minds be refreshed. Lord, may we sit up tonight and just listen for a few minutes, and may the Word of God encourage our spirits tonight, our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been with us recently in these Wednesday evening services, then you'll know that we are currently making our way through the book of Psalms in a series of messages that I've entitled Preaching Through Psalms. And tonight finds us all the way up to the 23rd chapter or the 23rd division of the book of Psalms. And once again, right under Psalms 23, we find that Psalms 23 is another psalm that David wrote. So far, if you'll go back and count out of the 23 psalms that we've been through thus far. The, David has wrote 21 of those songs. Only two of those psalms have been written by somebody else. And tonight, the one that we're considering, Psalms 23, is by far the most beloved, the most well-known psalm of the entire book. It has brought great comfort to many a heart struggling through the dark hours, desperate hours of disease and death. Commentators struggle to locate a time when Psalms 23 was actually written. There are some who believe that Psalms 23 was written by David in the younger days as he tended his father, Jesse's sheep. In fact, you may remember that on the day that Samuel the prophet came to put the anointing oil on David to signify that he would be the next king of Israel, they had to summons David in from the fields because he was tending to his father's seat. Some say that in those younger days, maybe while out gazing one night under the stars as he watched the sheep, David, as a young man, a young man penned the words of Psalms 23. Then there are others, and I think I happen to be of this perspective, that believed that Psalms 23 was written by David as a much older man looking back over all the struggles and the problems of his life. And by the way, he sure had a lot of them. But each and every time, God had proved himself to be faithful to provide for David's ever need. You know, I guess it really doesn't matter the timing of when this was written because of the great truth of this text. This one song, Psalms 23 takes us from the glen to the gorge all the way to glory. Psalms 23 deals with our frailty. It speaks of our foes and finally winds up in our future and our forever. 
I told you last week that Psalms 23, while it does address the subject of death, it has much more to say about living than it has to say about leaving. Now, you and I know that one of the great analogies that is used in the Scripture that, that, that depicts what our relationship with God is really like is like He is the shepherd and we are the sheep. You may have heard me say this many times before, and I'll probably say it a lot more before I'm through. But as a child of God, we are sons in the family of God. We're soldiers in the fight of God. We're servants in the field of God. But we're also sheep in the flock of God. And the Bible depicts God as a tender, compassionate shepherd. You know, a lot of people have the mistaken notion that God is like some kind of angry being that's sitting up in heaven and he's ticked off at everybody and man he's he's just waiting for somebody to mess up so he can bop them on top of the head but when we read the Bible we find out that God is anything but a deranged deity who sits on the throne of heaven he is more like a very tender and compassionate shepherd let me read you a good verse at this point in Isaiah 40 verse 11 what a great verse if you don't have this marked in your Bible you may want to mark this one but here's what the verse says speaking of God he shall lead he shall feed his flock like a shepherd he shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. What an amazing God that we have. What does he do? He feeds his little flock. What does he do? He gathers up the lo- uh, his little lambs in his bosom, and he carries us along, and he, and, he, and he tends to us during the troublesome times of life. Our God is like a tender, compassionate shepherd who leads his dear children along. I'm glad tonight that I can say that God is my father. I'm glad for that tonight, that I can say that I'm his child, that I've been born again, and I'm a part of the family of God. But can I just say that he's not just my father tonight. He's not just my commander in chief as a little old soldier in the army of God. He's not just my master as he governs me as I work in his field. But he is my shepherd. I'm his sheep. We are the sheep of his pasture. He is the good shepherd. You know something about sheep? Sheep are very dumb, aren't they? They're very dumb. They don't have enough sense to get in and out of the rain. And when I stop and say that what I'm about to say, this is not false humility, I know it. I mean it. Can I tell you this? I am very dumb. That's not false humility. I'm dumb. I said to my wife the other day, she did something to, uh, she did something and I thought it seemed a little bit odd and I said something to her along these lines. I said, I said to her, I don't know how God can make you so pretty and so stupid at the same time. <laughs> she said back to me in her emphatic kind of a way, she said, God made me pretty so you'd be attracted to me and God made me stupid so I'd be attracted to you. <laughs> I guess she got me back. Sheep are dumb. Can I have an amen? 
You know, we are very dumb. I mean, and I know I get it. Some of you have got degrees. You've been to college and got earned degrees. Some of you have got doctor's degrees in here. And I'm not belittling you or talking down to you. But, I mean, let's just face it, man. We're dumb, aren't we? I mean, I mean, we, uh, we're like sheep. We're dumb. But not only are sheep are dumb, but sheep are defenseless. They have no defense mechanisms whatsoever. They can't run fast. They can't climb trees. They can't bite. They can't spray. They can't sting. They have no way to defend themselves. They are totally defenseless. They're dumb. They're defenseless. But they're also dependent. I mean, they are dependent upon the shepherd for everything. And whether we like to admit it or not, the Bible likens us to sheep. We're dumb. Hey, by the way, we're also dirty. We're also dirty and dumb and we are defenseless and we are dependent upon the shepherd for everything. I'm not speaking about necessarily, but including food and drink and shelter and clothing. But can I tell you this? We're dependent upon our shepherd for just life in general. The Bible said over the book of Acts 17 in verse number 28 that in him, in the shepherd, in our father, we live and we move and we have our being. Can I stop and say I wouldn't be able to even live were it not for the good shepherd. I am dependent upon him for everything. And by the way, so are you. I went through this psalm the other afternoon and I want you to show, I want to show you tonight because we have a shepherd. And I'm going to just work my way through this, but I want you to see in this Psalms 23 and you may want to, I don't know if you want to or not, but maybe write these things down. But in Psalms 23, because I have a shepherd, notice number one, what's beneath me. Look at verse number two. The Bible said he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That's what's beneath me. Notice, if you will, what's beside me. Look again at verse number 2. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Look down in verse number 4 at what's between me. Look at verse number 4. Uh, it talks about there the uh, valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Verse 5 talks about my enemies. Can I say that? I'm glad between me and the enemy I have a good shepherd. There beneath me. There beside me. There between me. What about this? Look in verse number 5. What's before me? Why, the Bible said there in verse number 5, thou, prepare, thou preparest a table before me. Now look at this. Because I have a good shepherd, not only what's beneath me and beside me and between me and before me, look what's behind me. Look at verse number 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then notice what's before me and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All because of our shepherd. We have something beneath us, beside us, between us, before us, behind us, as well as beyond us. All because we have a shepherd, a good shepherd. Well, the one thought that kept occurring to me as I worked my way through Psalms 23 is this thought right here. Listen to me now. We're going to make it. We are going to make it. You know, sometimes, sometimes, uh, there are times when the devil tells us, you ain't going to make it. Has he ever told you that before? 
Has he ever come up to you and tapped you on the shoulder? Said, I don't know who you think you are, but you ain't going to make it. This is too large. This is too big for you. You're too overwhelmed by this. You are not. Sometimes the devil tells us we're not going to make it. Sometimes we tell ourselves we are not going to make it. We become so overwhelmed by the problems and the difficulties and the situations of life, we honestly tell ourselves, we're not going to make it. I'm not going to make it through this. There's no way I can see myself getting through this. The devil tells us, you're not going to make it. Sometimes we tell ourselves, we're not going to make it. And then sometimes others tell us, you ain't going to make it. But can I tell you something tonight? When I read Psalms 23, the one thing that I find is this. We're going to make it. We are going to make it. And let me just say this. Uh, we're going to make it because of our shepherd. We're going to make it through our shepherd. And we're going to make it in our shepherd. God is going to see us through. You're going to get through this. I don't know what you're going through tonight. I don't know the difficulties your life may find itself in or the situations of your life. I don't understand what you may be facing, and I'm not belittling any of that, but I just come this way to tell you tonight, guess what? We're going to make it. We are going to make it in spite of some things. Look in our text tonight, Psalms 23. Number one, we're going to make it in, in spite of the exhaustion that we feel. Now look at verse number two. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. We're going to make it even though of the exhaustion that we may face. Anybody in here tired tonight? Anybody in here to feel like you can't put one foot in front of the other? Any of you completely wore out by life? Any of you completely been worn down because of what you've been going through? Any of you feel like I'm not going to make it? I just want to tell you, you're going to make it in spite of the exhaustion that you may face. We're going to make it, number two, because in spite of the emptiness that we may feel. Look again there at verse number three. He leadeth me beside the still waters. You ever come to that place, you just feel empty on the inside? You ever come to that place that you're so physically worn down and you're so physically exhausted that you just feel like your spiritual tank is empty on the inside? Have you ever been there before? You ever feel like you pray but there's no answer? You ever feel like you read but there's no touch? You ever feel like you come to church and there's no blessing? And the exhaustion and the emptiness makes us feel like we're not going to make it. Oh, yeah, in spite of the exhaustion we face, the emptiness we may feel. But what about this? Look at verse 4. What about the evils that we may fear? Look again at verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You ever think in this walk of life sometimes, you know, that evil is going to overcome us? You know, there's a verse back in our Old Testament. I pray that prayer a lot, that prayer of Jabez. And it goes something like this. Oh, that thou wouldest bless us indeed. So I pray that. God, bless me indeed. And then it goes on to say, and enlarge our coast. And I pray, God, enlarge my coast, enlarge my coast. And that your hand might be with me. I say, oh, God, let your hand be with me. But the last part of that prayer is this. And keep me from the evil that it may not grieve me. And when I pray there, I say, Lord, not only keep me from the evil... But Lord, what about this? Keep the evil from me. I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to like evil. I am bent 
toward evil. I am unbalanced. I lean in the direction of evil. In other words, when I was born, I, bo I was born with a sinful nature. And everybody in this room's got one. Can I have an amen? And every once in a while, it just seems like, man, I, I just lean in that direction. You ever catch yourself leaning in that direction? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. I don't, I don't want to go out. That, that will mess up. That will destroy my life. That will mess me up. And as bad as my flesh may say, hey, that's, that's what you want. I'm praying, dear Jesus, hold me back. I don't need that. That'll destroy me. That'll mess me up. Uh, that'll mess my family up. Oh, God, hold me back. I'm going to make it in spite of the evils that I have to fear. What about this? I'm going to make it in spite of the enemies that I find. Look again at verse number 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Enemies. Got any enemies? Let me ask you something. Do you love Jesus? If you, got, if you love Jesus, you got enemies. It just comes with the territory. Do you love the Bible? Guess what? You got enemies. You want to do right? You got enemies. You take a stand, guess what? If you take your stand for God, you don't have to go looking for trouble. Trouble's going to come looking for you. We all got enemies tonight. But aren't you so glad there's a good shepherd that says you're going to make it in spite of your enemies? There are, there are those who wish I wouldn't make it. You got time? Get your pen out. I give you a list of names right now. You ever feel like the Lord's taking the wrong ones out? Sometimes I just want to say, Lord, that's a good one. If you're hunting for people, let me give you a list of names. You got enemies? Anybody in here got any enemies? We're going to make it in spite of our enemies. And then what about this? We're going to make it in, in spite of the exhaustion that we face, the emptiness we feel, the evils we fear, the enemies we find, and the end that we forget. Look at verse number 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will. Is it right? I, uh, let me read it like this. This is the new version. I'm going to read you out of the new version here. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is that what your Bible says? No, I'm going to make it. And it's, not, and it's not dependent upon me. It's dependent upon the shepherd. They used to tell, they tell me that uh, uh, when a shepherd would lead his flock out and he'll move them from one place to another, they, they count a shepherd successful if he can arrive back at his, at his home destination, at his home base, with 75% of his flock. In other words, along the way, the wolves got one and the bear got one and one fell off a cliff and one drank of something or ate of some noxious weeds and it died. And if he started out with 100, if he can just get back home with 75, he is a successful shepherd. Can I tell you something? I'm talking about a shepherd's not going to lose not one of us. Buddy, if he, if he left with 100, bless your heart, he's going to come back with 100. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You're going to make it. Well, we can leave right now and say it's been good to be in God's house, couldn't we? But now let me give you my message. Look in this text tonight. There are three reasons why we're going to make it. First of all, number one, look at this. We're going to make it because of the shepherd's leadership. 
We're going to make it because of the shepherds of leadership. I couldn't help but notice how many times in verse 1, verse 2, in verse number 3. Here's a great, I told Elijah this morning, here's a great title for a message in verse 1, 2, and 3. Ready? The title of the message is, He and Me. Because notice there in verse number 2, how many times we read, He and Me. Look at verse 2, He maketh me. Verse number 2, He leadeth me. Verse number three, he restoreth my soul. Verse three, he leadeth me in the passer. I mean, man, it's he and me. Amen. The leadership of the shepherd. He maketh me to lie down. You know, sheep won't lie down. They will not lie down unless four things are true in their life. Number one, sheep won't lie down as long as they're afraid. So there's got to be no fear if they're going to lie down. Number two, they won't lie down not only because of fear, but they won't lie down because of food. If they don't have their bellies full, they won't lie down. They're constantly in search of food. Number three, not only fear and food, but flies. Unless, unless the flies are controlled, sheep will absolutely be driven crazy because of flies. Listen to this. Flies, fear, food, and then what about this? Friction. If there's friction in the flock, if one sheep's mad at another sheep, if one sheep is, is uh, bullying another sheep, the whole flock is upset. They won't lay down unless they're absolutely free from friction. Fr fr friction. Friction. Now you stop and think about that. Fear. Flies. Food. Friction. And yet our good shepherd, he maketh me to lie down. He takes care of those four things in my life. The flies and the fear and the food and the friction. God handles on. How many times have you gone to bed, you knew there was a, a, a battle going on, maybe with you and member of your family or something of that nature, and all night long you rolled and you tumbled and you tossed and you didn't sleep and you thought about it all night long and you thought about how we're going to resolve this and then God stepped in and, and did a miracle and resolved that situation and the next night you laid down and slept like a baby. He maketh me to lie down. What about this one? He leadeth me beside the still waters. He and me, the still waters. Can I tell you something? Sheep, sheep must have water to survive. Did you know one of the most dangerous things to any sheep is to drink con uh, uh, contaminated water? If they drink water that's contaminated with, with uh, um, various germs or microscopic organisms. They drink that. Those, those organisms can attack them from the inside in their intestines and literally kill. That sheep's got to have cool, refreshing water. And there were three ways that sheep gets their water. Number one, from the dew of the grass in the morning. Number two, from the wells that are dug by the shepherd. Or number three, by the still, babbling, cool brooks that the shepherd... I'm glad, thank God, I don't have to drink from the muddy, broken cisterns of this world. I got a good shepherd that knows where the cool, refreshing water is. He leadeth me. He maketh me uh, to lie down. What about this? He leadeth me in the paths. Now, that one bothers me a little bit because there's a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, he's my shepherd, but they don't want to walk in the paths of righteousness. They walk anywhere but the paths of righteousness. Can I tell you something? If you follow him, the shepherd, you're going to follow him down the paths of righteousness. And then look at this one, verse 3. He restoreth my soul. You know something about sheep? They're prone to wonder. 
They're prone to wonder. Uh, there's something about sheep, their, their nature. What's that Isaiah 53 verse? All we like sheep have gone astray. I heard about this teacher one time. She was teaching this little boy math. He's a little farm boy, been brought up on a farm all of his life. She's teaching him math. She says, okay now, Johnny. She said, if you got five sheep and one of them sheep goes astray, how many sheep you got left? He said, none. She said, no, no, Johnny. No, no. She said, if you have five and one goes away, how many are left? He said, teacher, none. She said, Johnny, you don't know math. He said, teacher, you don't know sheep. If one of them sheep goes astray, the whole crowd's going to go astray. I have a book in my office by a Philip Keller, and it's a book entitled A Shepherd's Look at Psalms 23. And in that particular book, he tells the story about one of his sheep. He was a shepherd, and he's writing from a perspective of a shepherd about Psalms 23. And in that book, he writes about one of his sheep that he loved. He said her name, he, he named her Mrs. Gadabout because she was always leaving. He said she was one of the best sheep that he had. As far as her appearance, her wool was thick, and her, her eyes were deep and set. Oh, he said, man, she was a healthy sheep. But he said her only problem was she was always looking for a way to get out. And he said, it wasn't that I didn't supply the green pastures. He said, my pastures were some of the finest in South Africa. He said, man, I, I took great pride in my pastures and making sure that they provided lush grasses for my sheep to, to graze in. But he said, this one sheep, she kept just getting out. And he said, every time she'd get out, two or three more would watch her and take off behind her. And he said, I was constantly going out trying to find Mrs. Gadabout and those other sheep that she'd led astray. He said, finally, he said, I knew something had to be done. So he said, I called her one time, and when I called her, I took her up in my arms. And he said, I, I snapped her leg. And then he said, I bandaged it up. And he said, I sat her down. And he said, the whole time she was recovering from that broken leg, she didn't leave not one time. But he said after, after a while when she got better, he said she went right back to her and he called it fence crawling. She went right back to fence crawling and he said by this time she had some little ewes and she was teaching her little baby ewes to follow her out of the pasture. She's getting off into dangerous territory and he said I knew I couldn't have it. So he said I reached into my sheath and I took my killing knife out and I raised her little throat back, head back and I brought it across her throat and I ended her life because she was leading others astray. Bless your heart, let me tell you something. It is a dangerous thing to backslide and crawl the fences that God has lined our lives with. Because you hear me and hear me, well, Dad, you go ahead and turn your back on God. Crawl the fence if you want to, but don't be surprised if your little young'uns don't follow you through the hole. And buddy, I'm telling you, if you're a child of God, the Bible said, for whom the Lord loveth, he chaseth, he'll take you up in his arm and break your leg. Yeah, man. And if that don't work, you'll reach into the sheath. There's a sin unto death. And bring it across your throat. You know why? Because he don't want you leading others into danger. That's Bible, friend. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. There's the shepherd's leadership. Well, aren't you glad we got a good shepherd? You know how I know I'm going to make it? Because of his leadership. Amen and amen. But not only now, look again in this text, not only, boy, it's already 8 o'clock, we got to go. The shepherd's leadership, but watch this, the shepherd's companionship. Now, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but look at verse 1, verse 2, and verse 3. And you, you check me on this, but he's talking about the shepherd. In verse 1, 
verse 2 and verse number 3. He's talking about, look at that, the Lord is my shepherd. He, talking about him, maketh me. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me. He's talking about, he's talking about him. But when we come to verse number 4 and verse 5, he's quit, he stopped talking about him. Now he's talking to him. Look at how it changes in verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I'll fear no, fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they come. Look at verse 5. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil. My co- you know what he's saying? He's done quit talking about the shepherd. Now he's talking to the shepherd. Can I have it? Amen and Amen. You know, I kind of got it in my mind, more of us would be talking about the shepherd if we spend more time talking to the shepherd. Amen and amen. While the Bible said here, he, he, he leaves off talking about him, and now he starts talking to him. And I think we ought to talk about him. You know something, I think, it, I think it's good when people stand up in our services and testify and what God has done, and boy, they brag on the shepherd. But I tell you what, bless your heart, only one thing better than that, and that's talking to him. Amen talking to him. And he just talks to, by the way, if you look at verse number 4 and verse 5, he talks about the shadow of death. He talks about evil. He talks about uh, enemies and, and anointing his head with oil, all of that, all the dark times. You know what he's doing in the dark times of life? He's quit talking about him. He's talking to him. And I don't know what the situation of your life may be in tonight, but I just want to tell you, you're going to make it. But here's how you're going to make it. You're going to have to talk to him. Can I have an Amen. I know we're going to make it. How you know you're going to make it, preacher? Because of his leadership. How you know you're going to make it? Because of his companionship. Thou art with me. Aren't you glad he's with you? He's with you in the dark times of life. He's with you in the daylights of life, in the midnights of life. He's with you through the times of sickness. He's with you through the times of death. He's with you through the times of disappointment. When your children grow up and break your heart and turn their back on God and walk away from God, you can always count on Him to be right there. Thou art with me. That's how I know I'm going to make it. I got His companionship, His leadership. But look at verse 6 now. I'm coming in for a landing. Here we are arriving at home. We've left the glen, we've headed into the gorge, and now we find ourselves in the glory. Look at verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to make it because of his leadership. I'm going to make it because of his companionship. And number three, I'm going to make it because of his kinship. How in the world am I going to get, and how am I going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever? I'll tell you how I'm going to get there, because I'm kin to the shepherd. I got born into his family. Amen. I left the flock of the devil. I tell you, the devil don't know where the green pastures are. He'll lead you over there into them old dark, old dark brown pastures and that old cootie contaminated water. Uh, he, he's got nothing to provide. He, he, we drank out of broken cisterns and mud holes. That's, that's the devil's field. But I'm glad one day I, I, got, I got smart enough to get out of the flock of the devil and get into the family of God. And because of that, bless your heart, one of these days, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever and ever and ever. Not, not I might, not I maybe, not I hope to, but I shall, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Don't we have a good shepherd tonight? So I, to, I told you all that to tell you this. You're going to make it, friend. You're going to make it. It's going to be all right. We're about, we about to get home. It's going to be okay. Let's bow our heads. Father.